thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Indians 4, the Milwaukee Brewers 3. The Indians win on a walk-off hit in the ninth inning. What a fun way to end their Saturday night. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it took a while to get going last night, but this turned into a pretty good game. The Indians, like I said, win 4-3. to three. They do it on six hits, while the Milwaukee Brewers get their three runs on nine hits. So how did it all go down? How did it happen? Let's run through the game and see what we learned about the Indians. And I feel like we actually learned some things about interim manager Sandy Alomar last night. I was trying to pay attention to some of the decisions he made, some of the things that were definitely in his control, because it's it's always a little unclear in these interim situations. We don't know if Terry Francona's on conference calls every day helping with the lineup, which the lineup hasn't changed really all season. I'm assuming most of the in-game decisions are coming from Sandy Alomar, right? We just have to make that assumption. I'm sure Carl Willis is throwing input in there. I'm sure, uh, you know, they're working collaboratively. We're never 100% sure how collaborative a coaching staff really is. But I'm going to assume that a lot of these in-game decisions are Sandy Alomar's. So we learned some things. I think if you paid attention to the decisions last night, you learned some things about his managing style. So what went down? How did it all happen? Top of the first inning, Aaron Savali on the mound for the Cleveland Indians. Would this be one of his great games, or would this be like his last two games where he actually ate the loss on the last two games? How would he do? Well, he walked the leadoff hitter, Ben Gamble, and that is not something that Aaron Savali does a lot. Up until his start in St. Louis, he had only walked four batters on the entire season. He walked two batters in his last start in St. Louis. He ended up walking three batters last night. So not typical from Aaron Savale. But he gets a ground ground out for a double play and then another ground out to get out of the inning. We'll obviously get into some of the advanced stats on Savale at the end of the game summary. Bottom of the first for the Indians, Cesar Hernandez leads things off with a single. He had a really good night, which we will see by the end of this wrap-up. Jose Ramirez flies out, but then Francisco Lindor walks, and we got a bit of a rally going here in the first. However, Woodruff pitching for the Brewers is able to get Santana to fly out to left and Reyes to fly out to right. Reyes put a good swing on it. He put one of his good opposite field swings on it. Unfortunately, it was kind of right towards Ryan Braun. And that ends the threat. We continue in the top of the fourth. Aaron Savali actually starts the inning off by this time hitting Keston Hiura. And again, uncharacteristic start for Aaron Savali. He gets Christian Yelich to strike out, but then a throwing error from Sandy Leone on a pickoff attempt. You know, the Indians catchers love throwing behind base runners at first base. The ball gets away and Hiura goes down to second. Ryan Braun then strikes out swinging, so it looks like Savali's going to get out of this with the strikeout. He did have six strikeouts on the day yesterday, which is a pretty good start, 
But unfortunately, Dan Vogelbach comes up and the big guy crushes one down the right field line. Not a home run. I know it's like home run or nothing for Vogelbach. But it seems like in this series, uh, the base hit swing is what Vogelbach has found. And he lines a double down the right field line. It brings in Hiro to score. There was a challenge on the play because it was close. Naquin cut off the ball and made a strong throw to second base. They dropped the tag on his hip. But looking at the replay, it does look like he got his foot in there. It looks like they made the right call. It is bang-bang, but he's safe for a double, and that brings across the first run of the game, one nothing Milwaukee. And, you know, it hurt. Our, our offense was struggling, and it hurt to give up the first run of the game. I really wanted to see the Indians jump out ahead last night, especially because they got some guys in scoring position in the first and third innings. And to be down one nothing, it it felt like a lot. It felt like a lot to overcome, especially with the way the Indians respond. In the bottom of the fourth, Brandon Woodruff, who's considered maybe the ace of the Brewers pitching staff, he gets Fermil Reyes looking, gets Tyler Naquin looking, and gets Josh Naylor looking, all called out on strikes. Struck out the side in the fourth. How was Brandon Woodruff doing it? Well, the scouting report must be out on the Indians hitters because he threw a lot of changeups. 23% of his pitches last night were changeups, as opposed to his last start against Pittsburgh, where only 6.9% of his start pitches were changeups. Now, throwing near the 20s isn't, isn't completely strange for Woodruff. He does throw a lot of changeups, but it was his second highest amount of changeups on the season. So the scouting report is definitely out on the Indians. If you want to strike on Indians hitters, throw change-ups. We've seen what other pitchers can do with it, and we will see later in this game what some of the Milwaukee relievers can do with their change-up because their, uh, their one reliever, Williams, has maybe one of the best change-ups in baseball right now. So how do the Indians respond? They strike out the side. And again, like I said, that one nothing now feels even more insurmountable. But things would change because Woodruff would only last four and a third innings. He he has been he's been pitching really well the first time through orders, and then the second and third time through orders, he has started to struggle. And it's really he's come up short a lot lately. He's only two and three on the season. Uh, he has a couple of times he has not made it out of the fifth inning or only gone five innings. And he's getting a lot of strikeouts. His strikeouts are high, but he can't seem to last long in the games. And eventually the games get away. The, the article from the Milwaukee side basically was all about how this was another example of Woodruff starting strong and then everything falling apart for Milwaukee. So, how did it go down? He gets Sandy Leone to strike out swinging. So that's four in a row. He then gives up a walk to Oscar Mercado. He did walk three on the day yesterday. And with Oscar Mercado on first base, Cesar Hernandez, his second hit of the game, he lines a double in the left center field that I believe rolled all the way to the wall. And we've joked about Carlos Santana's speed being able to score from first, about Fermil Reyes being able to kick it into a second gear when they have to. Well, Oscar Mercado, that was pure running. That dude is lightning fast. And when you watch a guy run around the bases like he does, you realize that some people are just gifted with speed and some people aren't. Now, I'm sure Oscar Mercado has worked hard his whole life, but 
man, his feet fly. He cooks around the bases, scores easily, scores standing, not even a throw. So he scores all the way from first. Cesar Hernandez ties this game up one to one. Then after a long at-bat, I'm talking a really 10-pitch at-bat where Jose Ramirez, I believe, fouled off like six pitches to stay alive. He gets a fastball that's up, that's in the meat of the plate, and he puts a home run out to right field. Woodruff is blown away. Woodruff, he said in the post game that from the sound of the bat and the angle, he thought it was just a pop-up to right field. He thought he got the fly-out that he needed. Instead, it goes for a home run, and Jose Ramirez gives us a commanding 3-1 lead. With the way these teams pitch and the way these teams hit, it felt like 3-1 was really all the Indians were going to need. And that would be all for Woodruff. Freddie Peralta would come in to pitch. He'd walk Lindor. He'd strike out Santana. He'd walk for Miel Reyes. So this inning is getting crazy. Lindor also stole second base in this inning. But then he gets Tyler Naquin on a fastball just gassed him with a fastball, kind of down and away. Uh, we know Naquin can take that pitch to the opposite field, but he just got gassed. So that gets them out of the inning. Peralta pitched weird. It was a weird outing for him. He goes one and two-thirds. He gave up three walks but four strikeouts. And it seemed like he was all over the place, but he was in the zone enough to strike out some Indians hitters. All right. So we got this 3-1 lead. We go into the sixth inning, and how did the Brewers start it off? Keston Hira, home run to right field. Just when you started to get comfortable with a 3-1 lead, immediately Savali gives up the home run. Now, this is what I'm talking about by these decisions from Sandy Alomar. You'll see here in the sixth inning that there's a couple of opportunities where he could go to his bullpen, but he stays with Aaron Savali. I don't think Savali's pitch count was too high. His total on the day was 100 pitches and only 64 for strikes. But I think he threw a lot of pitches in this sixth inning, and uh, Sandy Alomar stuck with him. So after this home run here, he's got still has a 3-2 to two lead. He could go to his bullpen right here. But he stays with Savali. He gets Yelich to ground out, then gives up a triple to Ryan Braun. It took a funny hop off the wall and got past Tyler Naquin. Braun kicks it into another gear. He goes in sliding safe to third base. So we, they got a runner in scoring position, less than two outs. They got a runner at third, less than two outs. And we're still protecting this three to two lead. This is a situation where they could have gone and got Savali. Nope, they stay with Savali. He ends up walking Vogelbach. Were, were they maybe being careful and pitching around Vogelbach? Maybe. I, you know, uh, it was a decent uh, at-bat from Vogelbach. He earns the walk. Again, runners on the corners. He could have gotten Savali. Stays with him. He strikes out Orlando Arcia, swinging. Then he walks Omar Narvaez. Narvaez? Omar Narvaez walks. Vogelbach goes a second. Now bases are loaded. This could get really ugly. Does he go to his bullpen? Here. No. He stays with Savali, and he gets Luis Urias to ground out. Second base to flips it to Lindor at short to get the out at second, and that ends the threat. So there you go. There is one of the big coaching decisions by Sandy Alomar Jr. in this game. He stuck with Aaron Savali, and Savali left this game with the lead. All right, next up to pitch, though, in the seventh inning, Cal Quintrill does, does come on for the Indians, and... 
man, I really want to sit down and watch one of his innings because I feel like anytime he comes into the game, I'm like walking the dog or making dinner. I need to sit down and watch one of these Cal Control innings to see what we got in this trade because they always seem a little bit good and a little bit scary. So he strikes out Jace Peterson to start the inning. He gets Ben Gamble to line out to short, but then he hits Kenston Hira. So they got a guy on base now. Kristen Yelich singles. Hira goes all the way to third. They got runners on the corner. Ryan Braun then reaches on catcher's interference. I look up and I see Ryan Braun jogging to first base. And I'm like, what, what happened? And then I see the replay and he nails Sandy Leone's glove. There were actually two instances of catcher's interference on the game. And uh, that is not something you see every time you go to the ballpark. So now with the bases loaded, again, decisions by Sandy Alomar. So Quintrell had thrown 16 pitches, 10 for strikes. He had gotten that strikeout to start the inning. But now bases were loaded, and he decides to go to Nick Whitgren. Doesn't go to Karinchek, doesn't go to Phil Maiden, goes with Nick Whitgren tonight, last night, and... He gets Vogelbach looking, a called strike. He paints the outside corner with a fastball. It was a great, great at-bat, but pitching, you know, from Nick Wickren. So he survives the bases loaded, and that was huge for the Indians. They continue with this 3-2 lead. However, in the top of the eighth, Whitgren stays in. What does he do? First batter, Orlando Arcia, gives up a home run to left center field. And this was a no doubt about it home run. So now it's a 3-3 game. He does stick with Whitgren through the inning. He could have gone and got him after the home run, but he sticks with him. He tends, I, I think it's clear that Sandy Alomar is going to be a manager that sticks with his pitchers and gives them a chance. He gets a flyout, a strikeout, and a flyout to get out of it. So he does give up the run. It looked like it was going to be a great start for Nick Wickren. Instead, it turns into a blown save. So those things can happen fast. In the ninth inning, Brad Hand made it interesting. So, you know, being the home team, you're in a situation where you're never going to have to protect the lead now once you're tied in the ninth. So you might as well use your best pitcher in this situation. So Hand comes in to pitch the ninth, and we know how closers do in non-save situations when they're wearing a Cleveland uniform. It tends not to go well. So how does it start? Tyrone Taylor gets a double to center field to start the inning. All right, great. Pinch hitter. He was pinch hitting for Ben Gamble. Starts things off with a double. He then gets Keston Hira to strike out swinging, but then Kristen Yelich singles on a line drive to center. It was a hard shot to center, so Tyrone Taylor could not score. He had to stop at third. Then Ryan Braun's up with runners on the corner. Brad Hand locks in. It gets Ryan Braun to strike out swinging. They get a pinch hitter for Dan Vogelbach. They didn't want lefty on lefty, and Matthias pops out to Carlos Santana to end the threat. So in the end, Hand gets out of it. It was something we saw from Hand earlier in the season where he would get into trouble, but he would get out of it. Got some big strikeouts there, two big strikeouts off two of their better hitters, and gets himself out of it. All right, bottom of the ninth. Well, that's what went down for the Indians pitching. I'm skipping over some things here for Milwaukee because the Milwaukee uh, bullpen has two phenomenal pitchers. And the first one is named Devin Williams. And this dude has a fastball changeup combo. Like 
one of the best in the game. And they were showing his grip on the changeup. They were obsessed with it last night. They kept showing close-ups of his hand. And it almost breaks back like a screwball, like a two-seam fastball. It is a devastating pitch. And it was effective. In the bottom of the seventh, he strikes out Jose Ramirez. He gets Lindor to line out to right, but then strikes out Carlos Santana. And these balls are in the dirt. I... I was surprised how much the Indians hitters were chasing. And that just goes to show how um, deceiving Williams's changeup is. Because it looks like it's coming in low. It looks like it's going to be at the bottom of the zone. And then the bottom just falls out. And it breaks back towards the right-handed hitters. Breaks away from the lefties. So he gets two strikeouts there. In the eighth inning, they leave Williams in. He gets Fermil Reyes to strike out swinging. Naquin grounds out. Like I said, Josh Naylor reached on catcher's interference. Weird that it happens twice in a game. And then Sandy Leone strikes out swinging. So Williams was as advertised. He is good. And he is a young pitcher for them. Uh, it's amazing how much things have changed for Williams in his two seasons that he's been playing. Because last year, I don't. He was not even close to this dominant last year. Last year, his in thirteen appearances, his ERA was three point nine five. In fifteen appearances this year, he's three and one with a zero point five three ERA. His batting average against last year was three ten. This year, it's zero point seven zero. Last year, his whip was 1.76. This year, whip down to 0.59. So Williams is a pretty devastating pitcher now. I, I, I don't follow the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know exactly what he did to change things. It clearly seems to be linked to that changeup. And then in the bottom of the ninth, Josh Hader comes in, much talked about, had not given up a hit all season. However, he had to give up a run. It's actually pretty strange. His uh, his whip, he's walked 10 batters on the season, so his whip is actually much higher than you would expect for a guy that hadn't given up a hit all season. He was talked about in trade deadline deals. It was definitely talked about as a guy that teams could be gunning for, for bullpen help, but Milwaukee held on to him. He is the anchor of their bullpen. However, he gives up a leadoff double to Oscar Mercado. Mercado gets a high fastball and uses his hands. He talked about after the game how going down to Lake County really helped him. Mandy Bell had it in her article how it really helped him, how it really got to focus and watch some tape and see things that he did differently last year that he wasn't doing this year. And one of the things that Sandy Elmer wanted to see from him was to use his hands instead of his body, instead of swinging with his body, to swing with his hands. Well, he definitely did it on this high fastball from Hayter because we know Hayter is known for his fastball, lines it into left field for a double. On a wild pitch, he then moves up to third. And then Cesar Hernandez, we see... The not often seen five infielder, two outfielder alignment for the Brewers. They were trying to cut down that run. They moved the infield in. Ryan Braun came in to play the infield. And Cesar Hernandez still found a gap between third and short and smoked a ball out into left field, which brought in Mercado to win the game. A walk-off hit. It feels like we have not had a walk-off hit in a long time. So some progressive field magic, and the Indians walk it off 
four to three in the ninth off one of the best relievers in baseball. So you'll see all the articles today, all the tweets. Hater had set record for the bat most batters set down without giving up a hit, and the Indians spoil that for him. So, uh, like I said, there were some big decisions here by Sandy Alomar. Uh, one of them here was actually on that first pitch, that wild pitch. He had Cesar Hernandez square around the bunt. He was going to bunt that runner over to third because he knows how many ways a runner can score from third with less than two outs. So that was his initial intention. That shows you a little bit more into Sandy Alomar. The other one I noticed is I think Fermil Reyes had a 3-0 count on him at some point in this game, and he let him swing away. So that was another one. that That's coming from the manager there. He is giving the green light to a guy like Fermil Reyes. So a lot of decisions from Sandy Alomar that we could see in this game that we can learn what kind of manager he's going to be because I don't think we know if Terry Francona is coming back anytime soon. So uh, I think at this point, we all just want Terry Francona to get better, feel better. It's a weird season, and I guess this is Sandy Alomar's season for, for now. We'll see. It's still a long month. We'll see what happens. Looking at the box score, it is kind of ugly for the Indians. They struck out 15 times yesterday. They did walk six times, so they were getting guys on base. Two walks for Lindor, two walks for Mercado, actually, and the hit. The hits came from three guys. It was Mercado, Hernandez, and Ramirez. And uh, I got to give MVP for the day to Cesar Hernandez. Not only does he get the big walk-off hit to end the game, which pretty much locks up MVP for a day for you, but he also goes three for five on the day and has two RBIs. So Cesar Hernandez, you get MVP for a day. His average is around 277. I'm guessing that's probably where he's going to end up this season. He's going to be a high 200s hitter. His OPS is at 766. So He's not, he's not a power hitter, but he definitely has been hitting doubles. It's his 14th double on the season, the one he hit in the middle of the game that scored the first run for Mercado. And so, yeah, so that is what Cesar Hernandez is doing, and he wins himself MVP for a day. Honors. Savali goes six innings, five hits, two earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. It's a decent start for Savali. Savali was giving up a lot of contact, but as opposed to uh, his last start, his last two starts, his last two starts, they rate on fan graphs the percentage of soft contact, medium contact, and hard contact. And his last two starts, he had been over 50% hard contact. Last night, it was 56% medium contact, only 31% hard contact. So what was different in this start from the last ones? He was getting that medium contact. He wasn't getting hit as hard. He's not giving up the line drives, the big base hits. Instead, he's getting a little bit weaker contact, which means easier to field. Not always. You know, a weak ground ball can get through. A bloop can drop. But it is a good sign that the hard contact rate is going down his pitch type didn't seem like all that different from the rest of his starts he was still throwing 31 percent fastballs but throwing 26 percent cutters mixing in the slider a lot of curves last night 24 percent curves and still mixing in nine percent changeups. so really using all his pitches his plate discipline numbers 
he was down. Uh, he was a little bit down on first pitch strikes. It was the second lowest first pitch strike percentage of the season. He was at 61.5% first pitch strikes. Only 35% of his pitches were seen inside the strike zone, which means he was trying to get guys to chase. I don't think they were. They only swung at 32% of the pitches outside the strike zone. So he's definitely going to have to start finding that strike zone more. 35% is pretty rough. I'm surprised he actually did as well as he did, but that shows why he walked three batters on this game. And his swinging strikes were down. It's, again, his second lowest on the season. His swinging strike percentage was only at 8%. So, again, not getting a lot of chase yesterday. But he was getting that medium contact, that weaker contact. So that's how Aaron Savali did. And uh, he, we, need a, we need Aaron Savali. With Clevenger off this team, we need Savali to pitch like a top-of-the-rotation top guy. I mean, at this point, he is probably... I know Tristan McKenzie has been electric, uh, but in the Indians' mind, I think they kind of see Savali as the number two, I guess maybe number three guy on this pitching staff. So I definitely, when they made the trade with the Clevenger trade, they see Savali as a number two guy in this pitching staff. I think Carrasco is probably seen as the veteran number three. Plesak and McKenzie are seen as the young guys, even though Savali's just as young as them. Uh, Savali seems to have been more consistent over the last two seasons. So, um, yeah, I think if we get into a playoff series, Savali is going to be called on to start a game. So uh, we'll see if he can really lock in down the stretch here and get back to some of the things he was doing at the beginning of the season, really hitting his two-seam fastball, busting it inside on left-handers, striking him out with that. We'll see if Savali can find that form again. All right, that's my thoughts. It was a lot yesterday. For a game that started so slow, it was a lot. And the Indians will finish this series against Milwaukee today with a day game. Shane Bieber is on the mound, so you know that is going to be a fun episode. He's going to be facing the lefty Brett Anderson. Definitely a veteran on the staff. Anderson has bounced around lately uh, with the Dodgers back to Oakland. The Cubs a little bit, and now he's with the Brewers in his age 32 season. So it'll be a lefty on the mound, so I'm guessing Jordan Luplo will be in the lineup. We'll see what other righties find their way into the lineup tonight. But Shane Bieber, 6-0, a 1.20 ERA on the season, and lock in today, Indians fans, at 1 o'clock for this one. And we will be back on the holiday, on Memorial Day morning, to cover that game before the Indians start a series with Kansas City Royals. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It was the Indians 4, the Milwaukee Brewers 3. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. I hope you enjoy these conversations. I hope you enjoy my fun breakdowns of the game. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.